0: And now it's time for Houston's hottest relationship advice talk show, Love and Black with Tori and Terry. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Love and Black with Tori and Terry. You are here on 90.1 FM, KPFT Houston, and we just welcome you back to another show that cultivates positive love conversations. And as always, normally across from me, but right next to me is my lovely wife, Terry. What's happening, babe?
1: Hello, hello, honey. Hello, beautiful people. It's Friday. Yes, yes, it's my favorite day. You guys know that. And we welcome and thank you for joining us again today as we discuss relevant topics pertaining to marriage and relationships and family. Today, we're talking about learning about yourself through fatherhood. That's right. Becoming a first-time father is a milestone that fills a man's heart with an unparalleled joy. It really does. I know what it does for mothers, so I'm I'm speaking that from what I've witnessed and even what I've heard, but what if we told you that there's an extraordinary way to embark on this journey that goes beyond biology, which, you know what, we'll talk about this uh, today along with our special guest, but I think about that even with us because we're a blended family and I had three and he had three and now we have six. And then we have six grandkids, which people tell us not to because it starts to age us a bit. But, <laughs> but the thing is, is that it's awesome because it wasn't biological. I didn't have to go through the whole weight loss, girls, So you know, and the whole deal. But to have that joy to come in and we're openly receiving one another is really and truly a blessing. And so um, I received this, and I'm excited to talk about this because that gives people hope. Thinking.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it's no slight to the millions of women that have been raising children on their own and um, fantastic jobs for all these years. But uh, I just think that there's far less attention like given to men that want to take over this mantle. And uh, do their own work as well. So, for me, fatherhood is a transformative experience that just offers countless opportunities for personal growth, self reflection, not just for the father, but for the child as well. So, it's a journey that allows individuals just to delve deep, deep, deep into their emotions, their values, priorities, ultimately leading to a better understanding of oneself. This is true. So, today we are going to take this opportunity to provide support for fathers to navigate the challenges and joy of parenthood, while also encouraging self-reflection and personal development. We believe that by embracing the, this transformative journey, fathers can't unlock their true potential and become the best versions of themselves, thereby making them the best fathers that they can be.
1: Amen, amen. Joining us today, we're going to talk to our special guest, actor three-time, check it out, three-time heart transplant survivor, legacy builder, and most importantly, single father, Brooklyn McLenn. So we're excited. We're excited to talk to him. Aren't you excited to have
0: I'm very excited. I, I, I can see him, but uh, y'all can't hear him yet, but we are doing this live feed today. So we are going to take a short break and when we come back we are going to introduce our guests and get into the subject here don't allow unresolved issues and childhood traumas to define you ignoring these issues only leads to an unfulfilled life get the help you need today contact iforeverwill.com and speak with a specialist and now back to houston's hottest
2: relationship advice talk show love and black with tori and terry
0: Hey, and welcome back to Love and Black with Tori and Terry, right here on 90.1 FM KPFT. Hey, don't forget to go to our website at iforeverwill.com for more information on our marriage, relationship, and individual counseling services.
1: That's right. Additionally, if you would like to ask us a question or, uh, you know, to have the question featured on the show, go to Love and Black with Tori. That's T-O-R-Y. You guys have learned it by now. And Terry, T-E-R-I.com forward slash radio hyphen show
0: yeah and don't forget our summer sizzle membership drive is in full swing and we want you to be a part of it if you're passionate about the incredible shows you hear on 90.1 FM KPFT Houston why not take it to the next level and become a sponsor of your favorite show i.e. Loving Black Victoria Terry as well hint, as the hint. other great shows <laughs> on this amazing <laughs> station and help us to continue to bring you the best content on the airways. for our current sponsors don't want leave you hanging we want to thank you and ask you to continue your ongoing support Uh, let's keep this momentum going and make this summer our hottest yet on 90.1 fm kpft all right let's prepare to be inspired as we take you on an extraordinary journey of resilience and victory today we have the privilege of introducing to you a remarkable individual who has not only survived but triumphed over life's challenges
1: Yes, yeah. you guys get ready. I want you to put your listening ears on. You got to hear this story. It is just so moving and inspiring. Get ready to be blown away. That's all I got to say as we guide you through this awe-inspiring journey and reveal why he stands tall today. That is our guest, Brooklyn Mclinn Brooklyn is a passionate man who utilizes every life lesson he has learned and uses them as tools in his work. He has earned his degree in business management from CSUN, which is California State University, Northridge. Woo-hoo! that was the school that I love that school so much and played professional basketball overseas Brooklyn is an actor athlete author educator and motivator he brings the intensity of a strong work that work ethic to all that he does Brooklyn has a long list of credits to his name as a working actor and is heavy into personal development life and life coaching he uses this passion to speak to at-risk youth about self-love financial literacy health and proper mental attitude listen to that proper mental attitude that is that is a thing y'all he he expresses to them that life's possibilities are endless. Confucius says those that can and those that say they can't are both right. Just remember everything we need to succeed is already inside each and every one of us. Brooklyn creates an atmosphere for them to feel safe just to be people welcome brooklyn McLean, my brother welcome to love and black with tory and terry it's so good to have you
2: Woo-hoo! what's up brooklyn hey, thank you very much man. That's, a, that's a hell of an introduction i was like who's that guy <laughs> hey
0: man you talking um, about confucius man we all it got a 50 50 chance of doing it right, <laughs> <all> along, right?
2: <laughs> hey right let me just start with just so there's no confusion i didn't have three heart transplants i had three open heart surgeries and the last one ended in the heart transplant.
0: Okay. Wow. Got it. Thank yeah. you for that.
2: That would have been a lot on your body. I would yeah. imagine. No. Yeah. That's what yeah, I was yeah. like. I
0: was
1: like, yeah. Okay. So I was like, yeah, the million dollar man for those who can remember.
2: <laughs> look, 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 look right? no, no wonder you say?
1: who's that?
2: <laughs> yeah. Hey man, we're just Ironically, The the transplant does cost a million dollars.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: Wow. I don't know. I
1: mean, I don't know. Like I said, I know we dated ourselves earlier, but there was a show back in the day, The Million Dollar Man, with Lee Majors, six million. million, Yeah, yeah, Lee Majors. Okay. So before we get into it, I've got this rapid fire thing that I do with everybody. So it's an either or. It's really cool. It's fun, and it gives people a peek into who you are. You ready? Okay. Here we go. Apple, Android, Apple. Okay. Acting, basketball. I know these are great. I love making these these are great this was actually basketball. our daughter helped us with basketball. this she loved this she's like yeah. oh i want to do the rapid fire can i do the rapid fire I was like yes so you pick basketball basketball all right here yeah. we go basketball reading advice. writing <laughs> reading tupac or snoop dogg tupac okay inglewood or hollywood inglewood gym or basketball court at
2: this age the gym
1: <laughs> okay and last but not least motion picture movie or television series Ooh.
2: I'm going to say television series.
1: There you go. That's it. See, it was painless. That's all. It just gives yeah. everybody a peek nah. into you and the things you like.
0: Yeah. If you knows, I was real yep. quiet because she never lets me play.
1: Yeah, he doesn't get to <laughs> play. And I, I'm so <laughs> glad. I forgot to put that out there, That don't look at him. But that's great. He was good. You did good, honey. I'm going to do a rapid fire for you yeah, this Yeah,
0: whatever, whatever. Hey, Anyway. <laughs> So today we're discussing learning about yourself through fatherhood, and we want to hear Mm -hmm. your thoughts as well as our thoughts, the thoughts of our audience, right? The number to call in is 713-526-5738, extension 2. You can ask your question live or just ask Rico, our buddy behind the glass, uh, to relay it to us. Anyway, hey, Brooklyn, you have a story of not just survival but Triumph. Can you guide us uh, and our audience through your journey of where you are or how you began and where you are today? Yeah,
1: let them know.
2: Okay, so I'll go back a little bit. I'm going to date myself. Um, So my father passed away from a heart attack at the age of 49. I was a teenager at the time. So what I didn't understand, or at least my understanding of life up until that point was practice your basketball, do your homework, do good in school, stay out of trouble. I wasn't at the age, at least in his eyes, to where I needed to be taught self-sufficiency as a young man because my dad was a do-it-all guy. You know, I'll do it. You go do that. When he passed away um, at 49, I was like, oh, wow, what do I do now? Like, I didn't know that this was a part of the game. I didn't know that your parent could die before you was ready. You know what I mean? So it sent me into somewhat of a tailspin, just not knowing what to do, where to go, because now you're early 20s, early adulthood. And you're like, well, well, how does this part go? You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I know how to be a kid. And then it was like, I know in our community, it can be seen as a sign of weakness to ask for help. Especially as a man, we're just supposed to know. We're supposed to automatically know everything. We can't never not know something or something's wrong with it. I hesitated to ask for help. Um, what I did do was surround myself with older men. And not even like to ask questions, but just to be an observer and watch how they were going about living their lives and their relationships. And just kind of picking and choosing what I thought could help. My oldest brother at the time, you know, we're talking... Um, for him, he's he's about six, seven years older, so mid-80s, L.A., rock, crack, you know, he's, he's selling. Um, he got caught up. My other two brothers, a little bit younger than he, he was, just, you know, trying to figure it out as well. So we're all kind of just trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So from there, I'm just like, let me focus on basketball, you know, manhood will will come when it's supposed to at some point, but I'm just going to wing it. Right. So and then also I'll say after he passed at 49, I didn't see myself living to 50. Right. Because, well, he died at 49. Everybody's saying that I got his genes. It could happen to me, too. So let me just live for it today. Right. Cut to my basketball stuff is over. I'm starting acting through acting class is where I started to be able to deal with personal trauma and start to talk through stuff. Because in in acting, you you can't be shut off like emotionally. You have to open yourself up to be able to portray a, a wider range of feelings because every character has its own motivations and what's going on with them right sure. so what it forces you to do if you're open is it teaches you how to gain control over the things that have happened to you so you can use them as tools in your work so for me you know at the time I would say that was really life-saving because I was able to work through a lot of the anger that I had at my father for dying so young because it felt like he did it to me not like he had his own issues and his own life and his own stuff I'm just a kid I'm like how can you die on me? Yeah,
0: that was one That's of those stages right. of grief there. that you experienced there.
2: Yeah. So from there, you know, cursing God, you know, just not having really an understanding of how life goes. Like, because in my mind, it just, nothing ever goes wrong. Um, So, Living my life that way, and then I would say maybe, you know, going in and out of relationships, very dysfunctional, just because you just don't have the information. I remember one relationship with a young lady, and she told me that she would rather I had, she was more upset that I was emotionally unavailable than if I had been out cheating on her or talking to her crazy. You know, I'm not going to go as far as to say being uh, abusive, but like that made more sense to her than you're just shut off emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I would say to her, it's like, well, how how can you be mad at me for something I don't know how to do? I don't know how. It probably wasn't until, I would say, my late 30s, early 40s that... I was like you know what I kind of okay with who I am as a as a man I've grown I've evolved right still learning obviously and I always hesitated to have kids because in the back of my mind I don't want to die on, on on a child young like my father did to me so there was always hesitation and I would always tend to date women who had children because I'm like they're already insulated so I can come in put my thing on it have a good time whatever but if something happens to me they have their, you know what I mean it was always like if something happens to me I could never get outside of not living past fit. but like I said in my early 40s I started to have a little bit of a shift because I started reading more started traveling more I'm um, experiencing stuff out of u- the United States and it started to open up things for me it was like you know what no matter how much time I have in this life I know enough now that if I had a kid I could at least get them off on the right start right right so that became my attitude like all right cool you know what i think i'm ready but then the relationship universe is like well this is a different game now (laughs) tell us about it (laughs) (laughs) it's a different game now you know you can't just meet somebody and then y'all ride off into the sunset because that person has their traumas and you have your traumas and are you both working them out are you both seeing on on the same page as far as the future and you know what i mean so yes. time is going on so i would say like around 2015-16 a friend of mine which is a funny story but it can be taken the wrong way so she's a friend of mine she's i would i don't want to say she wasn't overweight but she's heavyset right and i saw her again maybe three or four months later and she had a bait right so i was like oh snap i felt stupid like oh she was probably pregnant all this time like <laughs> you know that's what because you know never say that right. so never never said never, never say, say that <laughs> (laughs) Oh, come to find out she had adopted this child. So she didn't actually birth the kid. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, where'd you get the kid from? Mm -hmm. So she, she was like, well, in L.A., they have this foundation called the L.A. Children's Bureau. And it's a foundation that was started by Dave Thomas. Who's the owner and founder of Wendy's restaurant chain? Yeah, yes. so so Wendy's is his adoptive daughter. So the the restaurant is named after his adopted right. child, right? So I was like, okay, you know, so that sparked something in me. Like, well, maybe that's something I can do. Like, I can I can just go adopt a child, and mm-hmm. counties gives you a stipend, they give you health insurance, they give you college tuition if the kid can go to college. So I'm like, all right, that's cool. Awesome. So I started down this path. Social worker, they all checked my stuff out. Everything was great. I had. Just just booked a TV show with Tyler Perry called The Have and Have Nots. So I'm like, OK, cool. Like this is all kind of lining up. Right. So I work that first week. Um, I have the weekend off. I come home. I decide to play basketball. I have a heart attack playing basketball. So I was like, oh, man, like, what? What? what's going on? Like, I didn't even know I was having one. So for the guys and ladies, I don't know if it's the same, but I, a lot of guys asked me. I felt a pain right at the, the base of my sternum, right? It felt like indigestion. So as a kid, I don't know if it's the same in, in Houston, but when we stood up in class and you pledge pledge of allegiance, you put your hand over your heart. I always thought my heart was further to the left side of my body. I had no idea it's really right in the center of your chest. So if I had understood that, then I would have been thinking more it's heart problem as opposed to a stomach problem. Mm-hmm. So I leave the gym I'm running errands, like just as a just being a dude, like pushing through the pain. My left arm starts to go numb, and I was like, "Oh wow, I know that one." So I drove myself to the hospital just in the nick of time. Collapsed on the floor. They got me up. They gave me some uh, a nitrate to kind of ease the pain. And the doctor was like, "You're having a massive heart attack right now." And I'm I'm 43 years old at the time. And mind you, my father died at 49. So now automatically, I'm thinking, "Okay, here we go." Not even thinking clearly, I was like, "Man." I got to go back to work on Tuesday. Like, I just got this job. And he was kind of like, yeah, we'll see about that. (laughs) So I literally had to call the TV show like, hey, I can't go back. Mm -hmm. I had a heart attack. So now I'm kind of like, man, what?" so now I got to go to the L.A. Children's Bureau. Like, I just had this heart attack. Like, I can't follow through with the process. Like, I got to figure out what this is. So basically, I was just diagnosed with an enlarged heart. And because I took so long to get help, my valves were stretched out. They started leaking my heart It had expanded. It was like the size of a football, according to them. Wow. Um, But because I was in such good shape, I was able to withstand the pain, which made the heart attack and the damage worse, which is irony, right? It's ironic that if I wasn't in as good a shape, I probably could have got help quicker because I would have collapsed or whatever. But a lot of people died at the same same time. Exactly right it's the gift and the curse so so fast forward to 2017 i met a doctor that said he could fix it over at usc keck medical so i was excited i was like all right cool i'm gonna get my life back and we do the. It's an open heart surgery, which is exactly how it sound. They got to crack your chest open, take your heart out, work on it, put it back in. You know all that stuff. So mm-hmm. we do that. And I felt pretty good after. You know my body started responding. Six weeks after that surgery, it failed. My valve started leaking again, leaking worse than it did the first time. So I'm like, man. So I had to do that surgery again. Like. It was like five months after the first one, which is a lot of stress and trauma on your heart. I do that second one, but now I'm kind of, it feels more like a pity party. I'm not as excited and as encouraged as I was from the first one. So mentally, we talk about mental health, mentally I start to spiral because now I'm on some woe is me and why me and what did I do to deserve this and I like crap now and I can't work, I can't. We get to the pandemic and I've recovered enough to get back to work, but my quality of life is... Nowhere near where it was. Um, I'm talking to my mom in the kitchen and I start having like a hot flash. I sit down and it's like somebody dumped a bucket of water on. So I just started sweating profusely like, oh, my God, what is this? Mm -hmm. But now it didn't hurt. But something is clearly happening, right? So she calls 911. As she's doing that, you know that really sleepy feeling? Like when you can't hold your head up? Like that started, my head started jerking, right? And I was thinking, man, like I'm so tired. And And I could, yeah, I could just go to sleep right Mm -hmm. now, right? So I'm scooting down to get more comfortable. And my mom is frantic. She's like, no, 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 keep your head up. Like, don't go to sleep. And I was like, mom, I'm so tired. Now I'm thinking in my head that, man, if this is death, I'm okay with it. Because it don't hurt. Mm -hmm. i could just go to sleep be done with these heart problems done with these surgeries nobody can say that i didn't try like my father would never have a surgery i'm like yeah i outlasted him i did it better than him i can just go the paramedic comes and they're like trying to get me up and revive me and i'm just like i just i just remember saying i'm so tired i just want to go to sleep and they're like no 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 so they get me up on the gurney the next thing i remember is it felt like we hit a speed bump now then i'm talking regular again you know what i mean and um so we get inside the hospital, the paramedic comes over, he's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, man, you know, i am having problems with my heart, you know. He goes, no, you flatlined on the way to the hospital. Oh, wow. We had to shock you to bring you back. So what I thought was a speed bump was them paddling my chest. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, like, I died. And he was like, yeah, but you're, not, you're here now. He left the room, and I just remember thinking, like, God, like, it's, like, It's hard to really put it in words. It's really like, I just remember thinking like, I died and this is no longer my life. God wants me here for something. I'm in full and complete surrender. Like, I don't get to make decisions no more. So everything that I do is divinely led at this point. So I, something is presented to me. I I basically be quiet and I'm waiting for an answer. Like, is this something I should be doing? Brooklyn don't get to make no more decisions anymore. Now, I'm recovering from the heart attack. They give me a pacemaker and they want me to wait in the hospital for a heart transplant. And I'm like, come on, like, I just, I can't get my mind around that my life has come to this. I, can, I can't see the benefit in it at all. Mm-hmm. My kidneys are failing because my heart function is so poor. My liver, for me, I didn't know that you can't live without your liver. No, you can't. So my liver's swollen. My spleen is swollen. And I'm thinking, can't you just take it out? <laughs> and they're like, nah. And I'm like, okay. So my mom, I had a kind of heart-to-heart with my mother because now her her husband has died of a heart attack. She's seeing her so- son basically getting ready to die the same thing. I told her, I said, mom, I'm I'm willing to to just ride it out. Like I don't necessarily want to get a heart transplant because I don't like the idea that somebody else has to die for me to keep living. Yeah, I've had my time, that doesn't, and she's just like, no, you can't look at it like that. Like it's a blessing and it's a gift. And I was like, well, if you want me to do it, I'll do it. And she was like, yes, please. And I was like, all right. So in the middle of the pandemic, I'm waiting in the hospital for three months with no visitors. You know, like, I don't want to liken it to jail, but that's what it felt like, solitary confinement, because you can't leave the room because they're worried about COVID and, you know, all kind of stuff. So find a a donor that matches me. And we're in January 31st, 2021. So I've been there for three months, through Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, watching the Capitol riots, just just all kind of stuff. So I have the transplant and I had a stroke during the transplant. So when I woke up two days later, I couldn't move the left side of my body. So now, once again, I'm, I'm in regret mode because I'm like, man, I done traded one problem for another. My kidneys are still messing up. Now I'm, I'm paralyzed on one side of my body. And they just kept trying to reassure me that it could get better. Okay. So I stayed in the hospital for another two months. Basically feelings started to come back in my left side. So I had to learn how to walk again. I did speech therapy, had to learn how to write again. And then I left when I left the hospital March 1st, 2021, You know, I had a cane, I had a noticeable limp, but I could walk. You know. Now around this this time my nephew so my brother's son you know has been in and out of, of jail mm-hmm. since he was a teenager he gets this girl pregnant so automatically i was like yeah this is not gonna be good because my nephew you know he don't know what he's doing she clearly don't know what she's doing but let's just see what happens yeah. as as the as the baby is closer to being born i start having a feeling of i think this baby is for me like i couldn't really explain it i was just kind of like okay, we, we, all right, whatever. I'm rehabbing. I'm, my body's starting to look normal. I'm getting my, my health back. So I'm starting to see the benefit of the transplant. So obviously I'm super grateful, super blessed. The baby comes and I'm such a kid person, but I hesitated to go look at the baby because I already knew like, it was just something in me that was like, don't even try, don't even go look at them. Cause you know how you are with kids. You, My mom, it's like, come see the baby. So I, I go over there and I look at him and she can tell you, I looked at him and I said, you think you slick, huh? <laughs> I said, you know, I'm going to end up taking care of you. I said, you came through them two knuckleheads to get to me. Oh, so precious. And I said, I'll be seeing you. Right. And I went back in my room and literally within like two weeks, the problem started. They not getting along, you know, this is so much drama. So then I pretty much had him since he was like two weeks old. Wait. Um,
0: So you're, you're all he knows weeks. as a parent. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So and then, you know, and it's it's just I mean, I'm sure you guys get it. Like, it's just amazing how obviously Monday morning quarterbacking, you look back at your journey and you go, oh, that's crazy how it took all of that stuff to get to this place where clearly I'm going, man, I got a new heart. I'm gonna be here longer than 50. Like, I'm probably going to be here another 50 years. So Mm. let me let me change. I had to change my perspective and start actually start thinking about the future when I wish I had this mentality at 22. Yeah. But I couldn't see 50 at 22. And now that I'm here, I'm like, I can only see 100 at this point. So it's like, what are we going to do? So, yeah, I was able to get I talked to my nephew about it. He was okay with it i was just like man let me have him let me let me let me give him a a good start at life so i got legal guardianship of him in october 2021 and he's been with me ever since he's he's 17 months about to be 18 months now he's everything like you know we, we talked about um how fatherhood changes you it's like i had a friend of mine tell me one time some really good friends they had a kid and i was just so in love with their daughter then my other friend had a baby and she goes you know how much we love you know our friend's daughter and i said "Yeah." she goes it's a thousand times more yeah. when you have yours and i was like damn that's crazy like i couldn't even <laughs> fathom that right so now mind you My son's name is CJ. He's not even from my body. Like, he's genetically family because it's my nephew's kid. You know what I mean? But I'm like, I love this dude so much. Like, when I see him, I'm just like, man, I would give my my head for you. Like, I would, you know what I mean? And so now I'm kind of like, if I ever have a baby my own, I'm going... Oh, like the idea that I could love somebody more because it's from my body than CJ like is is mind blowing. But
0: believe me, the, hey the Brooklyn, that's what all first time parents go through. It's like, how oh, do I goodness. have enough love to give to another child? Right? And you know, I saw your IG posts, a couple of them with him on there, and I, yeah. you Damn. like you like a father to me. So he's just adorable, man. I, I saw the one with oh, the glasses on, and I was like, I knew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that was pretty know, cool, and
1: so I will special. share this with you too. I remember because I was saying that you know we ha- I had three girls, and then my husband had his kids, but when I had my oldest girl, she was four, and I was pregnant with the next child and i was literally scared because i was i was crazy about her and we were so close and i asked the doctor i'm like right. i'm pregnant with another one and i don't know how because i really love her you know what i mean right. and so the right. doctor right. was like right. you're good you're good she said and i'm like but i really love her and we're really close I, I don't want the other baby to you know and she's like No, no no your heart expands and from the oh, moment wow. she told me that i was good because I was like, OK, which I don't, you know, considering what you had gone through, but meaning in a good way that it's enough to just like when, you know, he's got the whole world in his hands kind of thing. Yeah. You yeah. can think that kind of love, you know, then as it far changes as, when you yeah. get grandkids, you know, man. Oh, yeah. Like our granddaughter. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. I could just you said you would give your head. I could just eat her up like cookies. I mean, <laughs> I just kiss her all the time where she's I'm sure she's like, Lola, get off me, you know, because yes. like, I'm just on yeah. her. Yeah. You know, yeah. so yeah, I you guys have yeah. that bond. I mean, does he light up seeing you too?
2: Yeah, you know what's, it's interesting that you say that, like, people say to me, man, CJ is so lucky to have you, right? Because he'd be in foster care, he could be, you know, and I'm like, I think I'm lucky to have, have him. him. Like, mm-hmm. I think I need him as much, if not more than he needs me. Yeah. Sure. Because he helps me take the focus off of myself. Finally, after so many years of just being in my body about, man, my heart this, my kidney that, da, 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 So to have this new heart and it respond the way it did. And, and I, I didn't mention one details, like the first doctor, when I had that first heart attack, told me I needed a new heart and I just, I couldn't receive it. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I was just playing basketball this morning. How, you, how do you go from that to I needed, my heart is no good. So I don't, it's crazy that it took six years for me to go through everything that I went through to become the person that I needed to be to even kind of be open to having it and then six years for this person who blessed me with their heart to go through whatever they went through and unfortunately you know it, it ended up the way it did but it's like the marriage of all those incidences that you can't see that come together at a perfect time and it's like wow like so for me I just try to stress like there's no separation between people Mm -hmm. like we're all connected in some form of fashion or else I couldn't take his heart you know so the suit on the outside is black but internally we're we're no different like we're all the same so it's like amen the fact that we struggle with that idea is like why we have so much chaos and and bs going on in the world today
0: yeah hey Brooklyn let me put this in perspective for you one of my and my wife's favorite bible verses is Romans 8 and 28 All things work together for the good. All things. So you can look at it like that, man. Uh, All things work together. And, you know, we really love hearing your testimony because it's truly a testimony. And you wondered earlier, you know, why, you know, God must have me here for something. Now you know why. Absolutely. And in addition to that, I know you also started a nonprofit organization. But let me ask one one question here: mm-hmm. With you being a father now, what have you learned about fatherhood that's really shocked you the most?
2: How overprotective I could be of somebody. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm anal. I would say in a good way, but other people might be like, "Man, I'm just like like he hasn't had sugar yet." like he has in cookies and chips and friend. no disrespect to any other parent parenting however they parent we were walking at the beach this guy comes up to me with a similar age kid and he's like hey man i watch bel-air like i love you on the show i just want to say what's up so the guy look i say hey man i see you out here with your son his son was eating flaming hot cheetos same age and, and my son was eating Apple. strawberries so i was like so i didn't you know i didn't make him feel any kind of way but i was like wow am i am i being anal because i'm like nah bro there's they're, they're not going Run out of flaming hot Cheetos before you' old enough to eat some. Yeah. You know, so I find myself being overly like, "No, you can't have that." He can do that. You know, come over here. And then on the flip side, I'm not so much like I let him explore it. I let him bump his head and I let him do stuff that most people when they see him, oh, he shouldn't have that. I'm like, no, nah, he, he can have that. Yeah, he, He's going to put it in his mouth and it's OK and it's whatever. But yeah, like, I mean, we already talked about the love aspect of it, but I would say I'm, just, I'm more my focus is more single minded as far as I think more about legacy and and leaving him something and maximizing this opportunity, just wanting him to see a man. And be of service. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so go. I think it's more, I don't want to say emotional, but more like I'm super locked in now. I'm super focused and more determined in addition to the fact that I've been given this new life. You know what I mean? So it's like everything all at once that I'm just like, I just feel so unstoppable. There's nothing that I can't do as long as God wants me to do it.
1: You know, it's interesting you say that because you were saying before that you were kind of like, what's up, God? Like, what's going on? Yeah. You know. So yeah. when did that shift take place where it's like, oh, okay, I get it now. My bad. Like, forget what I said before. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, was, I would say this. And I wouldn't even say forget what I said. You know what I mean? Like, because I meant it when I said it. No,
1: I've been there, Dan.
2: Yeah, you know what I mean? So I think I can think of a few distinct times when, like, we had to have Some serious discussions, you know, and one was when my father passed away, you know, I'm not ashamed to say I cursed God. I was like, this is not fair. I don't get it. I understand that God can receive that. Like God understands that I don't have the understanding that God has. Right. So it's not like, oh, I'm gonna punish you for this. It's like, I understand. Like, but trust me, right? And so the next one was when the first surgery failed, the time waiting for the second one was probably the worst period that mentally I went through because I'm like, man, I thought I did it and now I have to do it again. And my my symptoms were worse. So I'd lost more weight. I wasn't hungry. I couldn't work. I, I was so skinny and I couldn't sleep and I didn't want to be around anybody. And I actually, not that I would do it, but I thought about suicide oh, wow. because I'm like, like, I get it now. Like, I had a really good friend of mine kill himself. He jumped off a bridge in 2015. And you would never think that he would do something like that. And I just, I struggled. It was like, why, bro? Like, I don't understand. Like, what could be so bad that you would want to do that? When I hit that bottom, I was like, okay, I'm not going to do it. But I get why you did that, bro. Like, in your mind, whatever you was going through, you thought it was easier to be dead. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here thinking that right now. I'd rather be dead than deal with this. And because I couldn't sleep, I would walk around my apartment building trying to exhaust myself just to try to get 15, 20 minutes. And so when I came back inside, I got on my knees on the side of the bed and I said, you know what, God, I surrender. Like, I just, I don't, I don't have it. Like, I just, I can't, I don't want to know what's going on. And so either Let me die or fix it. You know what I mean? So the next thing I knew, I fell asleep on the side of the bed like this, Mm -hmm. you know, and I woke up maybe 30 minutes later and I was like, oh, wow, I can sleep on my knees because the blood isn't regurgitating back up because Mm -hmm. my bowels aren't shutting properly. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, I was offered a way to to get rest. You know what I mean? So and the funny thing about it, and I'm sure you guys can understand it, is it's really only in times when you're at your lowest that you're like, okay, Jesus, take the wheel. Right. Yes. So, what happened for me was once I flatlined and they brought me back, I was like, you know what? Never again do I have to be at rock bottom for Jesus to take the wheel. I was like, I get it now. So And God will let you take the wheel back. You sure you want to drive? Yeah. Exactly. All right, let me know. (laughs) Let me know (laughs) because I'm still there. Right? And eventually you're going to let him take the wheel again. Bro, talk about it. So event. So basically I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't, I'm sitting in the back seat. Like I don't even want to be in the, I don't even want to be tempted to drive. It was in, it was basically through the flatline experience, the, the transplant that I was just like, all right, I get it now. Literally you've been doing everything that I needed this whole time. And in my egoic mind, because we're not taught that it's all one thing. So it's, you know, I can do it. I got it. I got it. That's ego going. I got it. I can fix it. I can do it on my own strength. And God is like, you sure you want to do that? All right, go ahead. Let me, let's see how that turns out.
0: Hey man, I have a and thing that says, Easing yeah. God Out. That's, that's my acronym. Yeah, I've, that's been right. yeah. <laughs> I've been saying it for years. Easing God Out, yeah. Hey, uh, I don't mean to interrupt, but we have uh, no, good. A, a caller that had uh, has a question here. And he okay. wanted to know, uh, have you learned vulnerability through parenthood versus being emotionally
2: unavailable. I would say this. You can learn vulnerability through parenthood. I learned it. I was able to to learn it through acting to be emotionally available, but yes, being a parent, if you can't be emotionally available, then you shouldn't be a parent. Like Absolutely. Yeah. I, I you know, and that's not even a judgment. It's just like the kid needs so it's much facts. attention yeah, no, it is. so much it from totally facts. that how can you not be when you just when you, like every morning my, my biggest thing of the morning is watching him wake up like that's all I want to do so when he's not with me because you know one of my good friends who helps me when I have to work and stuff like that she knows to send me a picture of him when he first wakes up because I'm like okay I can get going I can start my day so in that sense I would say absolutely and I'm sure you guys can attest to as well I don't think people Really understand what it means when they say they want kids. Cause I hear people say, I'm open to having kids, and I'm like, Well, being open and wanting them is two different,
1: things. two different
2: things. <laughs> and, and and when they when they're here, it's something totally different. So, mm-hmm. because the dude, but it's like you gotta want to do it. Like a really good friend of mine was like, I wish I had the courage to have a kid. Like mm. I watch you and I'm like, I don't, I don't have it to do. And I'm like, that's why you shouldn't have one. Mm-hmm. And it's okay, but I'm like, I want to be with him all day. Oh, like, yeah. if I'm not working to make money for us, then yo, man, let's go do. Nah, I'm cool. Hey, man, let's go. Nah, I'm, we going to the beach. We don't like. I just want to sit and watch him figure stuff out, right, and get frustrated because he keep throwing stuff and putting stuff in his mouth mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what he's asking me to do because he got <laughs> his own little language and he's pulling me, and I'm like, what do you want? And he's just that's like, huh? You know what I mean? So, but absolutely, you can learn vulnerability through parenting. <laughs>
0: For sure. Good, good. We definitely appreciate that. And you and I, man, we share, we probably had to talk offline, but we share so many similarities as far as what we've been through, playing ball and then being a father and having health challenges and all. So um, I actually, something you said earlier kind of prompted me. To um, say what I'm about to say now, I actually started a an organization within our counseling service, and it's called Blueprint to Manhood. So a lot of a lot of my men clients that I counsel, I always hear the same things, and it's exactly what you were saying, right? About and and unfortunately, you know, your father passed. You know, a lot of these guys they don't have fathers, nor did they have strong male role models in their lives. So um, what? Is something that uh, you know since this show is about you know fatherhood. What's something that you could possibly pass on to our audience from what you've learned already versus what you've been through as not having your father for a period of your life?
2: I would say if you can. That's a great question. For men, at least, wait until you're older to have kids Mm -hmm. because when when you're young and you're trying to figure it out and like don't think we know enough to properly pour into a child. So that's one. If you can wait, and I'm 30, 35, even 40, because typically we don't hit our financial strides until 40s and 50s anyway. You know what I mean? So, Nor our maturity and that's big, level. <laughs> yeah, maturity level. Exactly. Right? Definitely. right? So that's that's a big uh, <clears throat> a big component of when you feel more confident in what you're doing as a man, then you, you you feel better about the mistakes that you do make. Like, that was my thing. It was like, I didn't want to make any mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I had a buddy of mine sit me down. He goes, man, you're going to make mistakes. He goes, it's how you come back from the mistake is going to show your evolution and your growth. But you try not to make a mistake. You're never going to do nothing. That's what I would say. It's like, hey, my bros out there, it's like we can't worry about making mistakes. It's how are we going to come back from the mistakes? Now, we don't want to keep making the same mistake. over Absolutely. and over, But But that's just... Information and learning from our experiences and taking in more knowledge and expanding our thought processes and our and our consciousness to be able to make a new mistake instead of the same ones over and over. But find find those that you that you admire. And see what qualities that they have that that you can implement because everybody's different. Everybody has their own way of doing stuff, and you got to put your spin on it. That's what I would do. You know, I, the Denzels, the Will Smiths, the Obamas. Like, you know, what qualities do you see that you're like, man, that would be cool if I if I had something like that. And then That's I'm right. sure they got a book or an autobiography explaining something. Yeah. But we just can't be afraid to say that we don't know, and that and be just be willing to learn. Because you know what they say, they you want to keep something from a black person, stick it in a book. Right. Yeah, I heard. You want to hide that,
1: your money. That's power. <laughs> you know, I want to ask you as it relates to just what you said. It takes a village. Right. It takes a village. And so it also not just in raising a child, but then seeking that knowledge. How do you feel as a life coach? And do you believe that mentorship is huge and that's something you advocate for? Because, you know, when kids grow up, we take them, you know, to camp or they'll go and they'll have a Mm -hmm. mentor. How do you feel about that as it relates to men wanting to be fathers, single fathers, what can you speak, you know, into them at this time of the importance of a village and what that looks like, not just for the child but for yourself?
2: Yeah, no, it it's 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 major. I mean I, I came up in a time and it's it's actually something I wanna ask. My brother about, but I came up in a time when it was honorable to be a stepfather, right? Now it's like, oh, you a simp, you a, you a beta, you know, you taking on somebody else's fi- financial responsibility. Like, and I I get the argument, but like I I came up, I went to a, a independently owned school in L.A. in South Central, and the people that own the school. Came out of the Black Panther party. So it was everything was about educate your own kid. You know, a village. Grandma was was in charge of the lunch. Mom owned the school. Across the street, it was a school called Marcus Garvey. Our school school was called WB, the Boys Academic Institute. And it was just, you wore uniforms. Like, so it was all about togetherness. We we practiced Kwanzaa. You know what I mean? So for me, I think I wish I had kept somehow that reinforcement of that as I came into my formative teenage years into early adult years I kind of forgot about some of that stuff and started to become hesitant in asking for help and because there's no shame in that like contrary to popular belief nobody does anything by themselves Mm -hmm. everybody's had some type of help some type of example or something right so even as we get older one of my really good friends is like he'll have a mentor and I'm like yo who I've been working on you know my physical fitness like don't, don't. and I'm like where you working out oh I got and I'm just throwing it out there oh I got Arnold Schwarzenegger to coach me it's like he's gonna go get the biggest and best top of their field to mentor him in whatever he's trying man I'm working on my golf swing you know I got this lesson With Butch Harmon. It's like, Butch Harmon, that's Tiger's old coach. I mean, if you're going to do it, go all the way, right? Yeah. Now, I say that, relatively speaking, because everybody's at different socioeconomic levels, but the point remains true. Whatever it is you're trying to do, there's somebody close to you that knows more than you or is doing it. You just got to be willing to hear no, like be okay. It's great to hear yes, but you got to be willing to hear no enough times to where you're just like, you know what? It don't even bother me. I'm just going to keep asking because something inside of me is desiring this. So I can't let a no, a no just means ask somebody else. Exactly. And as, as men, that's what we struggle with. Now, I don't don't like to ask nobody for nothing. I'm just going to say, nah, bro, that's not it. Cause we don't want to hear no, and we don't want to feel rejected, but that's, that's just what it is.
0: Yeah, hey man, we really appreciate you and thank you for sharing all of this. And unfortunately, uh, you know, we only have an hour show. Yeah, yeah, we would need we would need
1: more time, but that's okay. Yeah. It's coming. It's coming.
0: Yeah. So we appreciate uh, you. Definitely. Hey, uh, yeah. can you uh, tell people about the, just uh, very quickly how they can Briefly. reach yep. you as far as the organization is concerned?
2: Individually, you can catch me, uh, Brooklyn McLean. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, etc. cetera. Um, the foundation, I actually have an Instagram page. It's called What The Heart Wants WTH Wellness Organization. That's the website as well, wthwellness.org. Um, we have a lot of good information on there. We're planning a, a heart awareness event in September, because that's Heart Awareness Month, September mm-hmm. 30th, out here in Cali. You know, we're just taking baby steps. We're just trying to build it up and just bring more awareness to healthier uh, ideas and, and bringing information about preventative diseases in underserved communities.
0: Awesome. That's great. And uh, you guys heard how you can reach him. And if you want to be, if you're in the L.A. area, if you want to participate in that, uh, you, now you know how to do it. Hey, look, as a father, the most important aspect of parenting is providing unconditional love to your child. Regardless of whether your child is biologically related to you or not, your love for them shouldn't be unwavering. The bond between a father and a child is one of the strongest and most meaningful relationships in life. It is built on the foundation of trust, respect, and support. So embrace the opportunity to become a superhero in somebody's life. Keep your letters, questions, and topics coming in. To submit entities to the show, go to loveandblackwithtoryandterry.com. Click on the radio show and complete the form, and we'll get back with you.
1: Hey, listen, we want to thank you, Brooklyn. Your story is absolutely rich, and it is wealth for all of us. We trust that people will take this, and they will pay it forward. Thank you so much for your time. As for us, y'all, this is it. We're out of time this week here on uh, 90.1 FM KPFT. We'll see you next week. We ask that you stay tuned, because Ronnie and Tom will bring you R&R Show. They're coming up next. Make love, not war.